PHM Experience, the podcast. This is a production of Powerhouse Ministries in Smyrna, Delaware, and we are going to be bringing you weekly sermons and our midweek services, as well as podcasts and interviews that we think are going to empower and enrich your life. When you're done listening, feel free to share with someone else, because you never know what impact the word may make. Be blessed. blessed us. You watched over us. So faithful. Serve a grateful God. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Truly honored to be in the house of the Lord yet one more time. Hallelujah. I could not be here. You could not be here. But he found it fitting for us to come into the house of the Lord yet again and give him the praise, the honor, and the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For those that may not know, I'm Elder Tony. A son of the ministry, hallelujah. Been with Powerhouse probably 16 years, 16 plus years now. And I do consider the bishop my spiritual father. Come on and let's honor him in his absence. He is blessed to have a woman strong enough to stand along with him to lift him up, to strengthen him, and also carry the ministry as well. And Pastor Elder Civil Bull, come on in. I just thank my brothers and my sisters in the ministry, ministry staff, praise team, my friends and family that are gathered here and online and the members of Powerhouse Ministry that are here and are watching online, I just greet you in the in the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm truly grateful this morning to stand before you and as I look off to my to my left I see my wonderful family. The Lord has truly, truly blessed me. I'm grateful because the day that I decided to turn my life over to, to Christ, he, he said that not only will I save you, but I will save your household. Glory to God. And I got two, two wonderful sons that have been walking in the way of the Lord. Glory to God. Who continue to honor the Lord in their endeavors and in their word and in their deed. And I am truly, truly grateful. Amen. On side of my oldest son is my daughter in love. Man. She's been a, a blessing. She is a blessing in our lives, and she is carrying our first grandchild. 
we are eagerly awaiting. Amen. Amen. But I truly would not be standing here today without the support, without the love, without the encouragement, without the empowerment, without the sacrifice, without the support, without the undergirding. And I can go on and on and on and on. I truly, truly could not be here without the intercession, without the prayers, without the love, without the support of my wonderful wife, Elder Neva Hammond. Thank you. Thank you. I do have a word from the Lord. Amen. And I've come to encourage you on today. And as I uh, settle myself, this has been a minute. <laughs> it's been a minute. I may have not preached outwardly, but as my family can contest, I've preached at home nonstop. And, and when I was preparing, it's funny because I was preparing for everything to, uh, to happen. I, I went over my iPad. I was like, okay, I'm going to turn it this way. I'm going to turn it that way because I know that when I get up here that I will have to battle distractions. And I understood how important this word was and you have to guard against being distracted when you carry a word from the Lord. Amen. And as, as, as Elder Corey said, you know, things about bringing forth the word that you will be afflicted, that you would have to pay a cost to come up here and deliver the word to, to God's people. And he was dealing with me and, you know, he had me go over things and go over, over potential problems. And, and one thing that he told me, and I, and I want to share because it's been setting with me, he said, I want you to move forward, but don't rush. I want to share that because as, as, a, as a preacher of God, as a prophet, as well as God, you understand that you are put in circum circumstances or situations that where God is trying to convey something to you for the people. This is not my message, but this is a word that I feel that God is sharing specifically to someone, either here or online. And God is saying to you, he wants you to move, but don't rush. Move, but don't rush. Let us get into the word. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people. I pray, Father God, as we release this word, that you will continue to bless their heart, bless their mind, bless their soul, Father. As I decrease, may you increase in me, Father. We just thank you and we humble ourselves before you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Glory to God. God is beyond impressive in beauty and in dignity. He is majestic. His kingdom reigns in majesty and in sovereignty. There is no one equal in his power or in his authority. There is not one thing or one above him. He is sovereign in all his ways. His counsel is within himself, and he is so much higher and further in his infinite, unlimited splendor than our finite, limited minds could ever comprehend. 
the Bible states who can know him or search him out. To seek him out would leave one in constant awe of a mighty God. The attributes, the quality or character of God is exclusively his. He is excellency and perfection. There is no one like Jehovah. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. There is no power greater than his own. All things created are subservient to Jehovah Elohim. He is omniscient, all-knowing. There is no knowledge that exists without his or is above his knowledge. There's no situation we encounter that is too complex or too vast for Jehovah Adonai. We cannot distract nor overwhelm God. And lastly, he is omnipresent everywhere at all times and in his fullness. We cannot stretch the almighty God too thin nor do we have a monopoly on God. He is not an ethnic class, nor is he a nation. God is spirit, and he is high above the nations, and his glory above the heavens. Not even the enemy, the enemy called Satan, can boast of such great attributes. For Satan's power is not all power. His knowledge is not all-knowing, and his actual presence cannot be everywhere at all times. As believers, we should take comfort in knowing God truly is sovereign in his attributes. And yet, this fundamental doctrine gets tested daily in our walk through life. We are forced at times to confront what we know of these great sovereign attributes and what we believe our God, Emmanuel, to be. I like how an author words it in our paraphrase, God has the power or might to do everything, has the knowledge to do anything, and is present to accomplish it all. I know Jehovah Nisi is always involved always present, never overwhelmed, or outnumbered. Glory to God. The book of Psalms at Psalm 139 puts his omnipresence like this. He has enclosed me behind and before and laid his hand upon me. Isaiah states where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? And finally, in the Gospel of Matthew, the promise of where two or three are gathered in my name, I shall be in the midst. Rather, we break out in two or three groups right now, groups of seven in two or three, whether it be in this church or the church down the street or the church in another state or in another country, where two or three are gathered, the promise is that he shall be in the midst. Not in partiality, but in his fullness and in his glory. 
we cannot stretch God too thin. All that to be true, then in fact, there can be no one more present in the believer's life than God himself. Let me say that again. All that to be true, then in fact, there can be no one more present in the believer's life than God himself. But yet, on occasion, subjectively or objectively, he can appear more hidden than everything on this earth. I want to deal with today the struggle with the perceived absence of an ever-present God. When we talk about presence, I believe we have to think in three areas of presence. Essential, meaning that there was nothing that was created without God. That God is in everything, but everything is not God. I want to deal with his influential presence, meaning that he's left his word, he's left the the, the gift of the Holy Spirit to, to lead us and guide us into all truth. Whenever we're in the dark or whenever we don't know, we can go to his word, which is ever present in our lives. I want to deal with also the operational presence of God, meaning that if God doesn't do it, it can't be done. They all address presence but they all also have various functions. If you would turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 6, and let's allow the text to shed light on this struggle. As you prepare, open your Bibles or your gadgets. I'll read Judges, chapter 6 verse 1 through 2, and then we're going to skip down to verse 11 and 16. Judges chapter 6. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites because the power of Midian was so oppressive the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Let's go down to verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, not Winfrey, that belonged to Joash, the Abba Israelite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord? Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and 
save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon, pardon me, my Lord. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. If I could, for the next 20, 30 minutes, I'd like to preach from the title, This Problem Had Me Stuck, But His Presence Is Getting Me Out. I'm going to say that with me. This problem had me stuck, but his presence is getting me out. As we have read the scripture, the chosen people were in a predicament, a predicament to where they turned from God and followed counterfeit gods or idols and resorted to protecting themselves in caves, dens, and strongholds as opposed to the Lord's protection and presence. They had essential presence, but they lacked influential and operational. They turned to idols and turned to self-preservation. No longer sought the shelter of the Lord. They sought the shelter of caves, dens, and strongholds. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you've turn from God and you start to seek the shelter or the provisions of self-made things or self-made objects. You, you turn from God. You started, seeking, you started seeking your own strength. Try to accomplish it in your own strength. That's what the children of Israel done. But yet, even in their hiding in the caves and dens and strongholds, those things were still made from God. They sought their own provision and their own protection, but they still sought it in something that God still already created. He can keep you in the midst of your mess. It was all the children of the tribe. Say with me, it was all. It was all that particular tribe, the tribe of Manasseh that was hiding from the Midianites. They were afraid. They'd been oppressed for seven long years. Every time they sought an increase, every time they tried to move forward, the, the enemy would come and not only just wipe them out, but wipe them out completely. The Bible says it was the power of Midian. The power of Midian is an unruly act. It's cruel. It's oppressive. It will leave you oppressively lonely, distressed, in despair, discouraged. Because I'm not seeing the blessings of God in this situation. They all was hiding. All of them. Every single one of them was hiding. We cannot compromise the value of his presence based on the severity of the problem. God's promise or presence does not falter based on the problem. His presence will get you out. In other words, if I'm in a situation, no matter what situation I am, the situation will reveal reveal another aspect 
of God, it will not determine God. God's presence will get you out. But I want to move away from the collective, the, all, all the ones that were hiding in the cave, the cave dwellers and the den hiders. And I want to zero in on this individual that was separate from the collective. Gideon was alone and handling the situation as best as he could. But he was about to come face to face with the influential presence of God. The Bible says that Gideon was in the, was threshing wheat in the wine press. Make a note, please, that God will at times, as he did with the collective, insulate you and as an individual also isolate you. Insulate. I will guard your heart in the midst of it. I'm not taking you out of it, but I will guard your heart in the midst of it. Come on, Joseph, testify. Yes, I was thrown in the prison, but God kept my heart. I was not influenced by my surroundings. I was influenced by the promise of God. Isolate. I will separate you and deal with you. I cannot allow you to stay in this situation, but I've got to call you. Come on, Moses, to the backside of the mountain. I have to deal with you. I have to open you up. I have to leave you in a vulnerable state, and I cannot allow the fallacies of man to be an influence on your life at this time. I will either insulate you or I will isolate you, says the Lord. At times, you would think God is hurting you, but you'll see he has healed you. You think God is exposing you to more trauma, but, his, but he's about to reveal in you the triumph. Whatever the enemy has meant for evil, God is turning for good. Don't you understand he is the potter and you are the clay? That he will do whatever is necessary to get the get the blessing, to get the promise, to get his presence to show forth in you, his presence is getting me out. In verse 11, we have to deal with the discourse between the angel of the Lord and Gideon that allows us to dive into the psyche of Gideon in the problem. He was threshing wheat in the wine press. He was not hiding from the enemy. He was hiding his provisions from the enemy. The other ones were hiding from the enemy. Gideon was hiding his increase from the enemy. He was threshing wheat in the wine press. Pressure will cause you to do strange things. The pressure was fear. Unlike the other hiding himself, Gideon was hiding his provisions. He was hiding his provisions because he was tired of taking an L. He was tired of taking loss. He was tired of getting hit, but he was threshing wheat. In the wine press, understand that those two don't go together. Sometimes we may resort to doing strange things when we're under pressure. Instead of turning to the Lord, we turn to ourselves. He was threshing wheat in the wine press. Threshing wheat in the wine press. In the wine press. The wine press is meant to be in ground. Threshing wheat or the threshing floor is meant to be in an open area. He was threshing wheat. In other words, he was trying to separate, separate what he had between what he needed. He was trying to discern what he had and what he needed. It's a process of sifting that is going on. But the only way to make sifting effective is that you have to 
have an abundance of wind. There's no wind in the wine press. He's working hard but not seeking the benefits of it. Why? Because in, in the New Testament, I, I hear Jesus saying that uh, the disciples, go to the upper room and wait. I'll send a comforter. And the Bible describes the Holy Spirit coming as a sound of the mighty rushing wind. Gideon was operating without the wind. How many times in our life have we operated without the wind? How many times have we tried to seek increase without the wind? How many times have we had a church service without the wind? How many times have we prayed without the wind? We need the wind. Not just the wind, but we need an abundance of the wind. Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press. I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm tired of threshing wheat in the wine press, where I'm tired of doing strange things without the wind, without the direction, without the authority of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Threshing wheat in the wine press. And the enemy, the enemy, the enemy was so arrogant. They were so arrogant because they never looked for Gideon in the wine press because they understood they destroyed all the vineyards. In other words, there's no reason for Gideon to be in there because there was no grapes for him to crush. And sometimes the Lord will use the arrogance of your enemy to hide you out for a particular moment, for a particular time. He was in the wine press, but the enemy was like, nah, there shouldn't be nobody in the wine press because we took all the vineyards. He will hide you. My God is a refuge. I will dwell in the secret place of the Most High. He had him in a secret place. Even, even with Gideon losing his mind, God still had him in the secret place. It says that the angel of the Lord was set beside the oak. In the, in the Bible, oak trees normally represent hope, stability, and strength. And the angel of the Lord was setting, setting there. And when you think about sitting, you, you understand that you're going to reside there. You're not just there for a moment, but you intend on staying there. And it says that the angel of the Lord sat beside the oak tree. I can almost picture the scene, if you could, just Gideon losing his mind, trying to separate what he wants between what he needs, and the angel of the Lord just there, I'm waiting for you to come to your mind. I haven't left you. Matter of fact, I left a symbol of hope, but I'm also coming here to restore your hope. That's the omnipresence of God. He can leave you with hope, and then he can also come and restore your hope. I've never left you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I haven't abandoned you. Even though you may feel as I have left, I've always been right there. I like how one story where a man talks about, and he's, he's in this old vehicle, and it's bucket seats, and him and his wife would take rides every Sunday. And his wife would be right by his side, and there's no other way to go but off to the, to the right. And every Sunday they take a ride, and over time, she said to him, you know, I feel as though some things have changed. I don't feel as close to you as I once did. And he looks to his wife and he says, well, babe, I'm in the driver's side. I can't move left or right. My position has always been the same. 
And she looked, and she realized that she had moved over closer to the door. And the moral of the story is God's position won't change. Whose position changed? Not God's. He's in the driver's seat. Sometimes you've got to analyze or assess your position. It's not God that is absent. It's not God that has moved, but what has distracted you. Glory to God. In verse 12, we have, we have God's qualified promise released, but Gideon's unqualified resume recited. What will you do when the message meets you? Will you trust the promise or recite the problems? Will you trust the problems? I mean, trust this promise or recite the problem. Gideon says in his resume presentation, my tribe is the least and I'm the least in my tribe. God said to him, I'll be with you and you will destroy the Midians. But Gideon's like, I'm not qualified. And God is like, look, my promise qualifies you. It don't matter where you come from because Gideon is pretty much telling him, I've come from the tribe of Manasseh. And if I would, let me break it down for you just to understand so we can get into the psyche of Gideon. Manasseh is from the, tri or from the house of Joseph. Joseph, his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh was the oldest. So theoretically, according to tradition, the oldest receives the blessing. But his great-grandfather, Jacob, blesses Ephraim instead of Manasseh. So at that particular time, in Manasseh, there's the spirit of rejection. And fear looks out for rejection. You either want to avoid that feeling again, or you take, take it on and say, you know what? I don't deserve this. Ever since from the beginning, I've been rejected. I've been overlooked. I'm, I'm the weakest in my tribe, and my tribe is Manasseh, and they're not, they not blessed. But what you don't understand that even Manasseh received the double portion. But yet they're carrying around this psyche of, I don't deserve it. We're least of all the tribe. We're least of all the clan. Gideon is saying, and I'm least in them. Who told you, Gideon, that you was the least? Who told you, Gideon, that I can't use you? Who told you, powerhouse, that I can't use you? Who told you it was over? Who told you it was done? It's the spirit of fear talking. We come to attack that demon in the name of Jesus. <laughs> because the word of the Lord says that I am blessed and highly favored. Whenever you're dealing with generational insecurities or generational problems, you have to resort back to the Genesis answer. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Despite my disappointment, despite being overlooked, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Gideon forgot. Gideon was, was dealing with the disappointment of a tribe, and he took it on himself. I'm the least of the tribe that is the least. But yet you're in the promised land. Pressure in the promise. Glory to God. Glory to God. The psychologists call that that particular mindset where fear grabs you 
It's called the imposter syndrome. Where you're never comfortable in the blessing because you don't feel as though you deserve the blessing. Where you're never comfortable allowing God to use you because I'm not to be used. Fear has gripped you. Fear has crippled you. Imposter, I'm not comfortable, as even Elder Corey said, uncomfortable, uncomfortably blessed. I'm uncomfortable having the blessing of the Lord upon me. I don't, I don't believe that I'm blessed in the city and in the field. I don't believe that I'm the head and not the tail. I don't believe that I'm above only and not believe. Imposter syndrome. But again, you've got to revert back to the Genesis answer. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you're created by an almighty God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In verse 14, where God turned to Gideon, God is turning to you and is about to exchange your altered place for your authorized place. Gideon is in the wine press in an altered place. That's not where you're supposed to be, Gideon. That's not where you're supposed to be. That's your altar place. My altar place is where I diminish the power in me. It's altered. I'm not exercising the power that God has give, given me. I'm in my altered place. But God has come in and said, I'm now going to move you into your authorized place. I've been authorized to sit in heavenly places, in high places. In my authorized place, I'm able to gain the perspective of how, where the enemy is and what the enemy can and cannot do. I'm in my authorized place. He's moving Gideon out of the threshing wheat, a threshing wheat in the wine press. And one of the first things he tells Gideon to do is to attack the, attack the idol of Baal or the altar of Baal. Uh -huh. He sent them high. Our problem is we want to wrestle with flesh and blood. But the Bible tells me to attack things in high places, to deal with principalities. I'm no longer attacking people. I confront people, but I attack principalities. Come on, I'm tired of wrestling with, with yes or no. I'm tired of wrestling with things that can't bless me. Why would I wrestle with you and you can't bless me? I'd rather wrestle with God and knowing that God can bless me than wrestle with you and you cannot bless me. I'd rather be like Jacob. God, I don't care if you have to separate some things in me. I don't care if you have to break something in me. As long as you bless me, I'm not letting go of you, God. I'm determined to be blessed. And I'm staying focused because I'm staying in my authorized place. My authorized place. My authorized place tells me to also understand what my standard of godly humility is. The problem is we can exercise humility. Either I can either live above my godly humility or I can live below my godly humility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's where your pride and your arrogance, I can do it myself. I don't need nobody. I'm living above my godly humility. Below my godly humility is that I'm prone to neglect. I'm, I'm prone to abuse. I'm, I'm thinking not just less of myself, but I think of myself less. In other words, my time is not as valuable as your time. 
My opinion is not as valuable as your opinion. I'm living lower than my godly humility. But when I live in God's humility, I can see and operate in his power and in his might. Glory to God. I'm in my authorized place. Authorized place. I'm not anxious or, or worried. I'm in my authorized place. You've been made to sit in heavenly places. I've been made to sit in heavenly places. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on and declare with me, I'm shifting with this message. I'm shifting with this message. My mind is shifting. My heart is shifting. My perspective is shifting. The situation may not have changed, but God has changed me. I'm in my authorized place. You don't have to change the situation, God. Change me. It's me, oh Lord. It's me, oh Lord, that's standing in the need of prayer. Because I know if you get your hands on me, then there's no weapon formed that shall be able to prosper when I'm in God. Glory to God. It's me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Change me. Work on me, Lord. You don't have to change the situation, but the truth of the matter is now that I'm in my authorized place and now that I have taken on the altar of Baal and dealt with the principalities, I still have to go out. And what God is now sending Gideon, he says, Gideon, uh, I need you to go out uh, and I'm sending some people with you. Uh, so he calls on, Gideon calls on uh, the 32,000 that were uh, hiding in caves, that were hiding in dens, the ones that were afraid to approach the enemy. And he calls them out, and he takes a roll call. The 32,000 that were all scared, that were all hiding, he takes a roll call. And Gideon says, those that are afraid raise their hand. And it says in the Bible that 22,000 raised their hand. Uh, oh, you liar. All of you were hiding in the cave. 22,000 of them hiding or were willing to raise their hand and, and admit that, yes, I was afraid. But the truth of the matter was, it was 32,000 that was all afraid because we've all come short of the glory of God. Not one have sinned. Not one. We're not here on our own merit. We're here on the merits of God. So God sends the other 22,000 and Gideon is left with 10,000. If you understand that now, he's going up against 135,000 other troops and God keeps wiping or sifting the people down. Gideon was sifting in the wine press and now God is sifting the people that he has called forth and he breaks them down to 10,000 and, and then he says that okay that's still too much. Four to one odds was not great enough. I need and then he sifts them down to now 44 to one odds. Well, 14 and a half to one odds. And he says, those that laugh at the water, those are the ones that I need. The total that laughed at the water was 300. We're now dealing with roughly 445 one odds to one. 445, 300. God has now taken 300 of the den hiding, cave dwelling individuals, and now we talk in the Bible about them being dog-faced assassins, elite of the elite. That's how God will wipe out your past and put you before him. He will take your past, 
use it, and promote you. You got 300 now willing to go up against 135,000. I used to look at this scripture and I used to tussle with God saying, God, what made the people so special? What made them so special? Was it the way, you know, coming from the military family too? I was like, it had to be. They were trained. They were trained to do this. They knew. God was like, you were seeking your answer in the wrong place. I was seeking it from my perspective. But he said, go back and look. He said, I ain't need 300 to break glass and sound a trumpet. There's no special training in that. He said, you missed the point. It's not how special the people were. It's how spectacular I am. God is trying to show you how spectacular he is. And he says it from the beginning. The only way I'm wiping, the only reason why I'm wiping away all these people is because I want to show myself off. And you got too many people and they're going to take the credit for something that I am doing. I'm going from my essential presence to my influential presence and now to my operational presence. I'm about to show myself off. Glory to God. Uh, he took the 300 and they broke glass and, 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 the, other, and the enemies fleed from, from Gideon. But understand, it may not be your, may be your moment, but it's always God's time. Because the Bible tells me that the 29,000 that was not chosen or used at that time, God used them to wipe the enemy out. They was not discarded, but they were used by God. It may not have been your moment, but it's still God's time. Don't get discouraged or don't, don't, don't get, get uh, d- disheartened. It may not be the moment, but you're still in God's time. You're still in God's time. We are still in God's time. There may have been a moment that passed. There may have been times that have gone through, but we're still in God's time. Gideon trusted God. Gideon moved. He moved from his altar place into his authorized place. He began to understand that I don't have to wrestle on this level. I don't have to deal with the enemy on this level. I understand this problem at one time had me stuck, but his promise is getting me out. I've come here today to let you know you may have been stuck in your problem. It may have had you down. It may have had you disheartened. It may have had you depressed. But God's presence is getting you out. He's getting you up out of that rejection. He's getting you out of the disappointment. God is getting you out. Understand. Understand now that in the process, understanding that I know that I have the presence of God on my life, that I can wait on God. I don't have to be anxious for nothing. I don't have to worry about nothing because I know that God's presence is here in my life. And the difference between now, between waiting on God is that the enemy may look at your appearance. He may look as though that you're still stuck, but he does not understand that there's been a shift in your soul. There's been a shift in your mindset. There's been a shift in your heart. I'm no longer stuck, but I'm waiting on God. The enemy feels like just because you're sitting, just because you're standing still, that that you're not moving forward. But I got 
a promise from God uh, and I'm waiting uh, and I understand that the promise is eternal uh, and this problem is temporary uh, so I know that I can take my seat uh, and wait on God uh, that I can cross my legs uh, that I can fold my arms uh, and I can look at that problem uh, and say hey ha, ha, I'm waiting you out uh, God is about to do uh, a marvelous thing in my life uh, God is about to do uh, a marvelous thing in this church God is about to do a marvelous thing in this nation and all I gotta do is wait this out I'm waiting you out I'm waiting the rejection I'm waiting out the depression I'm waiting out the fatigue I'm waiting out the confusion I'm waiting it out and I know because I got a promise from God that they that wait on the Lord they shall mount up with wings of eagles I'm being mounted up and now that I'm mounted up I don't have to go through this problem I'm over it God has placed me over it I'm over it I'm over the rejection I'm over the depression I'm over the fatigue I'm over the fear I'm over it I'm high and lifted up and I know that God is with me and if God is with me then who can be before me no weapon formed shall be able to prosper I'm over it I'm taking the goodness of the Lord I'm packing my bags I'm writing my mind I'm sorting my heart because God is with me he's my provider he's my healer he's my soul restorer God is everything I need everything I want he's the lily of the valleys he's the rose of Sharon he lift me up God is my dwelling place God is my refuge God is my stone tower oh why should I be afraid why should I be dismayed because his presence is getting me out I'm coming out I'm coming out with my hands lifted up and with my heart filled with praise I'm coming out with my eyes set on Jesus he is my soul survivor he is my provider I'm coming out come on and look at your neighbor touch your neighbor and let them know today that you're coming out I'm coming out he's lifting me up we're coming up out of this we're coming up out of this mess we're coming up out of this problem we're coming up out of this turmoil we won't be the same because we waited on the Lord and the Lord came today to let you know I'm mounting powerhouse up I'm mounting you up you're coming up and you're coming out you're coming up and you're coming out Oh, come on and give God the praise. You're coming out. You're coming out. You're coming out. Come on, you clapping like you're still stuck. But if you know that you're coming out, if you know that the presence of the Lord is in your life, you will clap differently. You will shout differently. You will praise differently. You will give yourself differently coming out his presence is with me the angels and can't round about me he's with me he's with me 
He's with me. He's with you. He's omnipresent. I have him in his fullness. You have him in his fullness. We can't stretch him out too thin. That's a comfort that we should have in the believer's life. That we cannot stretch God too, too thin. That he's mighty, he's great, and he's awesome. And I thank him because his problem had me stuck. But his presence is getting me. Of PHM Experience, a podcast. This is a production of Powerhouse Ministries Incorporated, located in Smyrna, Delaware, where Bishop Dwayne L. Bull and Pastor Sybil Bull are our senior pastors. Tune back in for another empowering sermon, class, or midweek service experience that we know is going to bless your life. As always, come with the experience.